Welcome, friends, to the Learning the Way to Calvary podcast. I am Lisa, your host. Let's begin with a prayer. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This episode is on Venerable Matthew Talbot, who lived from 1856 to 1925. Matthew was declared venerable on October 3, 1975, and his feast day is June 19th. Matthew is the patron of alcoholics and addicts. When a person is declared venerable in the Catholic Church, it means that their life has demonstrated to have attained a certain level of sanctity and is worthy of imitation and their cause may continue to become a blessed or saint, but there has not gotten to that point yet. As I have been doing, I will be reading a section from Saints for the Sick, Heavenly Help for Those Who Suffer by Joan Carol Cruz. And I will have the information in the show notes as well as a link to where you can purchase the book. Matthew Talbot was born in the small seaside village of Clontarf, which is located two miles from Dublin, Ireland. He was the second of 12 children. During an age when compulsory school attendance was rarely enforced, Matthew was enrolled at the Christian Brothers School, where he attended for only one year. During this time, he was taught to read and write, and he learned his prayers and the truths of the faith in preparation for his reception of the sacraments. After this, he began working in Dublin as a messenger boy for a wine merchant. Though not yet a teenager, he soon began to sample his employer's product. His sister, Mrs. Mary Andrews, tells that he learned to take alcoholic drink to excess. His father learned about this and found Matthew a position as a messenger boy in the port and docks board office, where his father also worked. Another of Matthew's sisters reports, he told me himself that he sold his boots and shirt to get drink, and used to get drink on credit, often having his wages spent in advance. I heard him say, after his conversion, that even when drinking, he was devout in his mind to the Blessed Virgin, and used to say an odd Hail Mary, and he attributed his conversion to this. In spite of his heavy drinking, Matthew was a good and steady workman. Well employed as a hoodman for a bricklayer, he accomplished more in a half an hour than other workers managed in an hour. In time, he became known as the best hoodman in Dublin, but there were days when he failed to report for work, being totally intoxicated. Since his income was insufficient to maintain his excessive habit drinking, Matthew sometimes supplemented his wages by collecting and selling empty bottles and by collecting tips for holding horses outside Corland's pub. Matthew was an alcoholic who carelessly lost his self-respect, refused to listen to the appeals of his mother, and drank not only his earnings, but also any money he and his companions could come by, honestly or otherwise. One day... He was without money and was waiting at the corner of William Street and North Strand for his friends, who were leaving work with their wages. He expected to be invited by them to have a drink, 
But when they all passed him by without the expected offer, Matthew had a great deal to think about and returned home. After serious reflection, he told his mother that he was going to take the pledge. Matthew made his confession at Klondike College and took the pledge to not drink for three months. The following morning, Matthew received the Holy Eucharist for the first time in years. He became a changed man, working regularly, avoiding his former companions, and spending more time in church. The inclination to return to his former habits stayed with him, and he struggled to keep the pledge. When the three months expired, he renewed the pledge for life. He was never heard to swear, and he observed fasts and slept on a broad plank with a solid lump of wood for a pillow. He attended Mass daily and joined the Franciscan Third Order. Since he no longer squandered his income on alcohol, he gave freely to his mother, the poor, and to religious organizations, especially the missions. Matthew read a great many books that were recommended to him and developed a great devotion to St. Teresa of Avila and St. Therese of Lisieux. In one of these books, he wrote these thoughtful words. Three things I cannot escape. The eye of God, the voice of conscience, the stroke of death. In company, guard your tongue. In your family, guard your temper. When alone, guard your thoughts. Another time he wrote, In prayer, we speak to God. In spiritual reading and sermons, God speaks to us. Matthew is described as a man always in good humor and friendly with everyone, and he became a man of deep virtue, wearing neat but old clothes, living frugally, and attending daily mass. He was frequently seen praying the rosary. So prayerful was he that his youngsters in the neighborhood began referred to him as Holy Joe. One day, Matthew gave away his pipe and tobacco and never smoked again. Added to his ever-present craving for alcohol, Matthew suffered the penance of additionally depriving himself of nicotine. He once confided to a friend that it cost him more to give up tobacco than to give up alcohol. In addition to this, he also observed numerous fasts, ate sparingly at other times, spent hours at night in prayer, and for many years wore a penitential chain around his waist. During the last years of his life, Matthew suffered from kidney and heart ailments. He also suffered at times from great weakness of body. Then, too, he developed a difficulty in breathing, no doubt caused by his years of heavy drinking and smoking. After one hospitalization, he was told by the doctors that his condition was so serious that he might die suddenly of his heart condition. That is exactly what took place on June 7, 1925, while Michael Talbot was walking to Mass. Six years after his death, the first inquiry into his life and virtues began. Another inquiry took place in 1948. During these inquiries, 68 people who had known Michael Talbot gave dispositions concerning his former alcoholic dependency, his courageous reform, and his virtuous and penitential life of 41 years. Talbot was declared venerable on October 3rd, 1975. I am grateful for this um, example of Matthew Talbot because many people uh, give the impression or, or the assumption that if you're suffering with some kind of addiction, alcoholism, smoking, 
pornography, food, um, and even eating healthy to excess, um, making it a vice is possible. There are so many shopping I've heard and seen that before, and it just, these addictions have um, a way of being, assume that if you have faith, then they'll just go away instantly, and that it's a form of prosperity gospel where they say, if you believe in God and he can do anything, then if you pray to him and you mean it, you will be cured and it'll never bother you again. And if there's anything the gospels does not say, it is that this life will be easy if you love and believe in God. It, Christ is constantly asking us to, well, even in scripture, it says, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. The Beatitudes, they talk about how um, in the suffering you're blessed. And in so many ways, Christ constantly preaches about how difficult this life is and how much harder it's going to be if you are a Christian than if you're not. And that's not just because of outside persecutions, especially in the early church, their experiences when it was illegal to be Christian and so many other challenges that happened but because of our own internal struggles our our just our inclination to sin and how much we desire to feel good and to be happy and often uh, mistaken that for pleasures that result in these addictions because we are searching for happiness and we just end up going too far on the bodily side of it and instead of enjoying the blessings of this life that Christ, that God grants us, we search out pleasures more and more and that results in like the insatiable thirst and desire for more of those pleasures and as a result, it creates addiction. It changes our brains um, so that we need more and more of that pleasure in order to feel the same level of enjoyment as we did when we first experienced that um, emotion or that situation. And so the desire for happiness the desire for connection for love for enjoyment those are all good desires every desire in our heart at its depth at its or origin comes from god we can't desire something unless god first puts it there what happens and where we go into the vice area in an addiction is when we misplace the desire and we substitute it. So we may desire um, a feeling of calm and um, I, I've never smoked, but from my observations of people that 
helps them feel calmer. We may desire the feeling of happiness and euphoria that some um, illegal drugs bring. Or um, we like how relaxed we become when we have some alcohol, when we can't seem to get that effect in any other way. And so we repeatedly drink. All of these things are challenges and our and our misplaced desires. And so even food, it is okay to enjoy a good meal or your favorite dessert. It is a vice when you go to those meals, those that food to feel good all the time because you feel like you can't get that feeling of that contentment otherwise. And so it's what I'm trying to say is at the root of every addiction, no matter what form it takes, is a true and good desire that God has granted. And when we have gone sideways with that um, and found fulfillment, like we quote unquote fulfillment of that desire um, in earthly things and what happens is we can develop an addiction because that is how our heart was made our heart was made for that fulfillment of that desire but the addiction and the vice comes in when we take that step too far and we focus entirely on that thing that seemingly fills a desire And then what happens is it takes over. It becomes an addiction. Your body craves that. And then it takes over your life like it did for Matthew. And yes, obviously there's incredible grace that God gave him in that moment to think about his, all of his friends walked by him and didn't invite him for a drink when he was out of money. And the only way he could get a drink is if they asked him to go. And so he took the pledge and went, decided to go three months without alcohol. And it wasn't easy. It was difficult. And then after that three months, he did it for another year. Or no, it was for the life. (laughs) He took the pledge. And what is very important in what was read that could be very easily overlooked is he, in order to prevent himself from falling back into that vice, he changed his life, the circumstances, what surrounded him. He avoided those friends that he would drink with, who would encourage him to drink. And he struggled with the desire for the alcohol throughout his life. It wasn't a one-stop shop with, oh, I've decided not to do it, so now it doesn't bother me anymore. And the same with smoking. And smoking was even more difficult. Probably because there was more opportunities in daily life for him to smoke. Like maybe he would smoke after eating a meal. And every time he had eaten a meal, he desired to smoke. And so it was more difficult then. And he could at work take a smoke break. But at work you don't take an alcohol break. And so that difference would make it more challenging. And that's just because our bodies are so used to, we're, we're creatures of habits. And so unless we can change our habits, it is so difficult to walk away from addictions. 
And it's like the, the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. If you remove the circumstances where the temptation arises, it is the prudent way to go instead of allowing yourself to face the temptation in the moment in a way that's so much harder than going either I can choose to avoid the situation completely or I can go into the situation and hope that I'm strong enough to say no and the 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 first moment when you have to choose to enter the situation or not is vital because if you can walk away from that situation before you enter it that is an incredible grace an incredible moment of strength and so that's when you enter prayer when you know you have to make the choice you ask god your guardian angel you ask others to pray for you that you can avoid the what moments of temptation remove them as best you can from your life but again doesn't mean you won't struggle with it and it doesn't mean it won't be hard we have matthew as a venerable on and his cause for canonization is progressing he lived 41 years sober and struggled with drink every day of his life and his body had been so damaged by these habits that he died from the damage that had been done to his heart (laughs) and it's an example that just because you've you have the faith you're living a life of penance you're doing everything you can to avoid the vice that is in your life it doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy that the habits that you've already had will not um, constantly be nagging at you and calling you back or that if you completely relieve remove devices that your life is just going to be easy and there will be no effects that's not what Matthew's story tells us And it's not what the scriptures tell us. And so if you are somebody who is struggling with addiction or a situation that you are feeling overwhelmed, take a deep breath. Ask for Venerable Matthew Talbot's intercession and search out the help that you need, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, um, counseling, whatever it might be. It is as much as a, a mental struggle as it is a physical one. And so you need to ca- take care of yourself, body and mind. You may be healthier when you stop drinking, but you also need to address um, your mental situation of what is causing you to still desire it or to want to lean into that and there are so many resources out there i just really want to encourage everyone that whatever you're struggling with it is god sees you and he knows you're there and he wants to help you 
and he will help you through prayer, through penance, through the sacraments, and through the people in your life who are there to help you, and through the resources that are within your society to help. And so do not be afraid to reach out. I want to thank you for your time. Please pray for our community members. We are praying for you. May God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.